You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation, and welcome to the Locked On Saints podcast, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get to hear the local experts on the biggest stories, your team every day. Ross Jackson here, your host, covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it. Lead analyst over at allsaintsconsidered.com, your source for up-to-the-minute Saints news for Saints fans by Saints fans, and you know what it is. Throw me a follow over on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. If this is your first time catching the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share and welcome and thank you for being here during this very, very busy, busy time. Great time to pick up the podcast and follow through through the rest of the offseason as I've got you covered for the draft, for training camp, for everything that you need right here on the show. It's a big help to me when you subscribe, but it also keeps you up to date when the newest episodes drop every Monday through Friday. And don't forget that anytime you are out on the road, you can take the show with you by telling your smart device to play podcast Locked on Saints. Then you will tune right into the show with the newest episode. And episodes are usually just about the perfect amount of time for your daily drive. So day one of the official free agency period did not disappoint with players signing their contracts, backing out, listening to other offers and trades, processing just a big, big day. So much to discuss, but let's keep it Saints focused as much as we can today. We'll talk about what the heck is going on with Teddy Bridgewater to start the show. Then we'll discuss all of today's news involving Drew Brees and today's visits that are on the books as well as last night's visit as well. And then we'll pick up with any breaking news and recap some of the other moves from around the league to close out the show. All that and a little bit of land. Yep, right here you're on Locked On Saints, your team every day. So let's just go ahead and dive into it and get started with the big topic today, Teddy Bridgewater. So we were under the understanding that the Saints and Teddy Bridgewater had reached at least an expectation or some agreement in principle that led people to report that Teddy Bridgewater was going to be returning to the Saints, or at least was expected to return to the Saints. Remember, it was never reported that he absolutely was going to. There was no agreement in place in terms of money or anything like that. It's just the expectation was that he was going to turn down a larger offer for Miami and stick with New Orleans. Now, now that we've sort of cleared the smoke and haze and we're into uh, Thursday morning, it still seems that Teddy Bridgewater is more than probably going to stay in New Orleans. But let's talk about this whole situation because there are still some people that are concerned. And so I want to help clear the air and sort of adjust the expectations, even though you know this very well can go both ways. And I should say that because we don't know what is what's really the selling point for Teddy Bridgewater. Is it, I want to start right now? Is it, I want to be near home? Because remember, he's from Miami. Is it that he wants to take on a longer starting role, a longer career trajectory? Those are three different options that sort of send him to either one of the teams, right? To one team or the other. So let's discuss all of that. So first of all, the offers that were made to Teddy Bridgewater look to be pretty similar. One year, 10 million to Miami. One year, 7 million to New Orleans. Now, that 
you know, it's a $3 million difference. And that's why Teddy Bridgewater probably turned it down in Miami, because in Miami, he's going to be a starting quarterback. If he plays in Miami next year, he's starting right away. Whereas if he takes the one year deal to stay in New Orleans, he sits behind Drew Brees for one more year, and then he gets the big contract next year to take over the team. And then he gets that starting money, which is around that, you know, 17 to $20 million area, 15 to $20 million area, actually, depending on how you look at it. So, you know, he could be there. That one year, $7 million contract kind of puts him, well, actually puts him right on the same base as Case Keenum, which is about what I expected. Case Keenum is getting three and a half from Washington and three and a half from Denver. His salary over the year is $7 million. So that's about where I expected him to be. But it broke last night that, you know, he was going to be visiting Miami, which isn't that hard of a trip for him. He lives in Miami, so it's kind of a jaunt down the road for him is really all that it was. It's not like he packed up, left New Orleans, and flew to Miami. He was already there. So he went and he visited the facility there. And basically, Diana Rossini, who was on NFL Live last night and reported talking about it, she, she, was, she was reported incorrectly, first of all. Somebody else had tweeted something out saying that if the Miami Dolphins go $1 or $2 million more in their offer, that the Saints would then back out and Teddy would sign with Miami. That's not what she actually said. What she actually said was that the offers were only one, were only a couple of million dollars apart at that moment, which is what we learned to be true later, 10 million versus 7 million, somewhere around there. So really only a $3 million gap for, you know, starting to be the starting quarterback versus being a backup quarterback, which just wasn't enough for Teddy Bridgewater. And so Teddy Bridgewater basically was saying that if I'm going to come to Miami, if I'm going to go to Miami and I'm going to be the starting quarterback for a year, y'all got to pay me a lot more than just that $3 million difference. And so basically what Diana Rossini actually reported was that it was going to take, quote unquote, life-changing money to bring Teddy Bridgewater to Miami. He'd have to be in that, you know, 15 to $20 million range, and he'd have to have a contract that locked him down, which Miami is not going to be willing to give him because Miami is looking for a stopgap quarterback. They're looking for a transition quarterback, a bridge, a bridge quarterback, no pun intended, but that's basically what they're looking for. And so Bridgewater would essentially come in and start one year, and then Miami would do what they needed to do to draft the guy that they want in next year's draft, which would be Tua, or the year after that, which would be Lawrence. So there's not really a lot feeding Teddy Bridgewater to go to Miami, whereas he could stay in New Orleans, take a little bit less money for this year, but then have an actual career trajectory that says you will be the starting quarterback for this franchise as the team moves forward. Then there were all these other reports. Pro Football Talk was doing the usual trash stuff and making trash reports and being a trash site, but they were doing their whole thing about Sean Payton bouncing to uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys in 2020 and that Teddy Bridgewater is unsure of his future based on just Sean Payton and blah, 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 like just completely ignoring the fact that Sean Payton still has two years under his contract with New Orleans and that Sean Payton more than likely isn't going anywhere. Remember, he was a big part of re-signing Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen signed a three-year contract. So you can imagine that Sean Payton will be around for at least still another three years. And if he gets Teddy Bridgewater in the building, which was his number one goal, he said, the guy that I want to take over for quarterback is here. His name is Teddy Bridgewater. So even from that perspective, the report doesn't even make any sense because why would you sign your future franchise quarterback and then bounce? You wouldn't do that unless you're David Gettleman, maybe. But it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense at all. So anyway, as of right now, the way that it looks is that Bridgewater is 
uh, visit with Miami has completed. It completed last night. No news of a deal yet, but right now it's still kind of looking like the expectation is that Teddy Bridgewater will return to New Orleans. Again, it can still go either way depending on how much money Miami is willing to offer, but essentially they'd have to buy him off of New Orleans uh, for the most part. Now, the Saints and Drew Brees together made a big move this morning restructuring his contract and opening up some cap space, so we're going to talk about that next because that is going to be a big player in the trying to return Teddy Bridgewater as well as a couple of exciting players that the Saints have visiting today. So we got that coming up for you right here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here. All right, Hidden Nation, welcome back to Locked on Saints, your team every day. Again, if you are new to the podcast, please, please, please take a moment to subscribe. Please consider rating and reviewing as well as every little bit helps out a ton. And this is a very busy time, so I appreciate all of your support as we grind over here at the Locked on Podcast Network to make sure that y'all get these episodes every day, keeping you up to date with everything going on with your favorite teams. So your favorite team, in this case, is the New Orleans Saints, so we are here to discuss what is going on and what the Saints have done so far in free agency. And the fact of the matter is that they've done a lot of in-house stuff with the exception of the signing of Latavius Murray. The focus has been on keeping the players from last year's roster. Remember, the Saints were basically a no-call away last year from getting into the Super Bowl, and the year before that, they were a fluke away from going to the NFC Championship game. With that, the Saints are very confident in the roster that they've had over the last couple of years and are trying to maintain it, particularly last year's roster, trying to maintain it as best as possible and they've done a good job with that we've all we've talked about all of the signings and all the re-signings that they've done so far particularly with keeping the special teams unit together they contributed to that a little bit further today signing will lutz to a five-year 20.25 million dollar contract making him the highest paid kicker in in nfl history in terms of total money his 4.05 uh, per year average makes him a top five kicker in the league, top five paid kicker in the league. And of course, he gets guarantees along with that. He gets $9.2 million guaranteed all in the first two years. That's the second most guaranteed to a kicker in NFL history as well. So um, they did a really great job in terms of maintaining that. So you've got Thomas said you've got Will Lutz locked down, you've got Craig Robertson, uh, Chris Banjo, and Justin Hardy all returning. Special teams is a lock. Uh, you weren't able to maintain or keep retain rather that's what I'm looking for you weren't able to retain Mark Ingram but you found a nice replacement satellite back and good pass blocker in Latavius Murray got him on a super cheap deal 3.6 million dollars per year his cap this year is actually his cap hit this year is actually less than two million dollars because of the way that Mickey Loomis worked out the signing bonus so just a genius way to work out the contract there and then now you have Drew Brees who went ahead and restructured his contract with the Saints to open up million this year. It does kick the can down the road a little bit. What would have been a 21.3 dead cap number in next year's season has actually been reduced to a 15.4 million dollar cap hit, uh, dead cap hit next season if Drew Brees is not on the team because they added an extra voidable year to the contract, spreading the cap hit over two years as opposed to just one year. So it would be 15.4 next year and then another 5.4 in 2021. Again, great work by the front office to make that happen without sinking the boat moving into the future uh, of this season. Because, I mean, look, you have $21.3 million in dead cap space sitting on your roster. That's not great. That doesn't really help out your team. That sort of finds a way. It could potentially put you in a bind, but they found a way to avoid that and to make it happen by spreading it out over an extra avoidable contract year, which is genius. Uh, That 15.4 salary cap hit will hit whether or not Drew Brees remains through next season. If he retires, that 
that money still goes to him. It's just dead cap for those two years. If he returns and he gets that 15.4 for next year, plus whatever it is that they agree upon at signing for that next year. So there's a lot of different ways that that can work out as well. But what's probably most important to you right now is the fact that it opens up $10.8 million in cap space for this season, which gives the Saints a lot more room to play around and be active in free agency. This is basically the moment where free agency starts for the Saints in terms of the open market. Before this point, everything was really focused on, like we were talking about before, in-house folks. Now you've got Jared Cook, probably the top tight end out of Oakland for this offseason. He had an outstanding season last year, 68 catches, 896 yards, and six touchdowns, averaging 13.2 yards per reception. Big-time passing uh, tight end, big-time pass-catching tight end, rather, which would be great for the Saints because that is a big hole that they need to fill. There were a lot of reports that Josh Hill would potentially be the number one tight end. It's looking like that's not the case as they are pursuing one of the best pass-catching tight ends left on the market. My only concern with him is his age, 32 years old. Can he keep it up? But you know what? We've seen the Saints have success with Ben Watson, who had his best receiving years in New Orleans in 2015 at the age of 35 and 2018 at the age of 38. So the Saints have made it work before. Maybe they'll be able to make it happen again and maintain Jared Cook's success from last season. The other person that they have visiting today is defensive end Ziggy Anza. Ziggy Anza, who just finished up his six-year tenure with Detroit. He was playing with the Lions out there. 48 sacks over those six years. He was on a franchise tag last season, but ended up on injured reserve after an injury took him out after playing seven games with only two starts. But despite only playing seven games with only two starts, he still racked up four sacks in the season. He's only one year removed from a 12-sack season and has gone over seven sacks in four of his six years playing in Detroit. Aside from his sack production, he's also been very effective in the run game, something that people don't often talk about. He averages right around, I would say, probably... 70, maybe maybe low 70s in terms of his run defense uh, pro football focus grade. But he's also topped 20 run stops in each of the last, uh, or really in each, in five of his six seasons with the exception of last season, which of course he played less than half of. And he had nine stops there, so he was on sort of pace uh, to get over 20 again. As for Alex Okafor, who is an outstanding run defender, he actually has only topped uh, more than 20 run stops three times. T- I mean, twice with the Saints in both years that he's played with New Orleans, so you can't discount that. But both seem to be pretty effective against the run game as well as active in the pass rush. So if the intent here is to bring in Ziggy Anza in place of Alex Okafor, which would make sense, otherwise Alex Okafor would be re-signed, you wouldn't have Ziggy Anza coming in for a visit. So this is a pretty reasonable expectation. Then you're not really missing a ton in terms of what you would be able to create for Marcus Davenport as a rotational piece. It also adds another veteran presence along with Cam Jordan. Not that Alex Okafor wasn't that, but you're not losing that factor of it by, you know, making a trade for somebody like Emmanuel Ogba, who would also be young and would also be sort of green the same way that Marcus Davenport is. So I really think that this would end up being a solid pickup for the Saints along with Jared Cook. Although Jared Cook, again, it took some self-convincing because I was so concerned about his age. And I was concerned also about paying for last year's production this year. But if the Saints are able to get him on a reasonable contract to get him into the door for this year, then that would make sense as long as they're not overpaying based on his production from last year and they sign him to a deal that makes sense for the team I'm all about it because look he's going to contribute and he's going to be essentially the big part of what the Saints were missing last year and would have made such a
such a huge difference in the playoffs for the Saints last year as well. The only other visit that is on the books, or at least that happened last night, was uh, defensive tackle, defensive lineman, I'll say, Mario Edwards, six foot three, two eighty, but he plays on the inside and the outside. He's most notably recognized as an edge rusher, but for the past two seasons, he's been playing the majority of his snaps along the defensive interior. So could be a great piece that the Saints also add to sort of help with the rotational issues that they're going to have without Sheldon Rankins and potentially David Onyemata at the beginning of the year. And then he can fold into the rotation afterwards as well. So you would expect then that the Saints would try to maintain somebody like Tyler Davison as well to sort of have that other piece there along with uh, Mario Edwards and Taylor Stallworth if Mario Edwards were to be signed as well. But the Saints are definitely gearing up to make some moves. That $10.8 million should help them a ton. Shout out to Mickey Loomis and Kai Harley for their work with the salary cap and trying to make sure that the Saints find a way to actually improve a very steady roster from last season. If you look at Mike Clay's uh, free agency chart, the Saints have the number one roster ranking with only one rating that sort of falls under that five, you know, under that, it's it's a system of one through 10. Only one of them falls under that five point threshold. And that would be the tight end, uh, the tight end position. So if they land Jared Cook, that goes up. Saints could walk in at least with Mike Clay's number one roster again for 2019. Big work by the Saints so far. So when we come back here, no breaking news yet, but we will start to uh, cover some of the other moves from around the league. We'll talk about those from the Saints perspective as well. Stick around. Thank you so much for being here for Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, family, welcome back to Locked on Saints, your team every day. One quick correction from the last segment. I think that I mentioned that Drew Brees' contract or dead cap hit for 2020 would be 15.4. Of course, I should have said 15.9 as the following year, 2020, is 5.4. So that comes up to a total of that 21.3. So my bad on that. But now, getting to some of the big stories from around the league, let's talk about some of the big signings uh, that have come through. So we know that all of the trades that we were expecting have completed. Um, Blake Bortles has been released by the Jets. Jaguars. I just needed to throw that in there because that's just that's just news that I love. Not that I love that about Blake Bortles, but it's it's something that is so for whatever reason carries such a cult following for me that I just I I have to mention that Blake Bortles was released by the Jaguars because I'm so interested to know where he goes next and what he does. Like, does he go to the Patriots and Bill Belichick turns him into an incredible quarterback? Does he like what happens to Blake Bortles next? Does he go to the AAF? Like, what is it that happens to Blake Bortles next? I think going to the AAF. AF makes sense, but I'm he, he's a journey that I'm so interested in following. Anyway, sorry, complete tangent. I, I apologize to keep doing that to y'all. And it's both times it's been Blake Bortles related. So it is what it is. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, Jarvis Landry are officially teammates again. So they did it in high school, did it in college. They'll do it now for the Cleveland Browns as well. Baker Mayfield has to be the happiest person in the world. Second only to actually uh, Jarvis Jarvis Landry, who got his best friend back. So that's pretty dope. Uh, Antonio Brown is official. He was late to his press conference, which was just so classic too. Like what more, what more do you want? Like that's, it's just that's bread and butter comedy right there that he was late for his press conference in Oakland so good and there was no mention of it they just sort of played it off like nothing ever happened everything was good but I mean look you if you watch the press con actually if you haven't watched the press conference more importantly go back and find it you can find it on on online and watch it because Antonio Brown's like an entirely different person in that interview. It's incredible to watch, and it makes you wonder how much of what was going on over the offseason was really him versus him just pushing to get this trade done to get out of a situation that he felt uncomfortable in that he didn't want to be a part of anymore. So that's big. So both of those send those players to uh, AFC teams. Antonio Brown stays in the AFC. Uh, uh, Odo Beckham Jr. goes to the AFC, which is good news for the Saints. They don't have to see Odo Beckham Jr., but it wouldn't have made a difference. 
difference while Eli Manning is still the quarterback over there. But now that Giants offense is going to essentially run through Saquon Barkley. And so that's just going to be tough to maintain for um, for the Giants who are trying to, you know, rebuild their team. And so for New Orleans, what this basically means is that it's a big time playmaker outside of the conference now that they don't have to be concerned with anytime that they do play against the Giants. And, you know, whatever happens with the Giants next happens with the Giants next, I guess. Uh, Mark Ingram's contract with the Baltimore Ravens is official three years, $15 million. We wish him well in Baltimore. I want to look at some of the teams within the NFC South now, because those are some things that do impact the Saints and do impact, uh, you know, who that nation and the fans want to know what's going on within the division because you're all educated fans and y'all want to know what's going on. And I love that about you. So for the Atlanta Falcons, not a lot of big moves happening. Grady Jarrett getting franchise tagged was not even a free agency move, but probably the most notable thing for the Falcons so far, as well as the fact that they lost Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman is no longer an Atlanta Falcon. He signed a two-year, $10 million contract in San Francisco, which I think is just an outstanding signing for San Francisco to be able to pair him with Jarek McKinnon. Just a great, great, great signing for that ball club. But Tevin Coleman no longer within the division should be important to Saints fans. The only other Atlanta Falcons news here was that uh, Jamon Brown, offensive guard, uh, agreed to terms with the Falcons. So that's a three-year contract for him. And then James Carpenter, also agreed to terms with the Falcons for a four-year $21 million contract over there. So just some offensive line moves working on the trenches. Same thing can be said about the Carolina Panthers. Added Matt Paradis, uh, three years, $27 million starting. Maybe going to be Khalil, uh, what's his name? Ryan Khalil's um, successor. Maybe they'll play him at guard first. That was part of sort of the offseason plan for John Sigler for the Saints was to sign him, let him play in Pete's position, and then move him over to center. Oh, by the way, Pete's not going anywhere. After after 4 p.m. yesterday, his contract of $9.625 million became fully guaranteed. He ain't going anywhere. There's no trade happening with that, at least that I can foresee. I wouldn't imagine the Saints then trading him after that time, after that money becomes guaranteed. But we'll see. I mean, teams have done crazier. So, uh, And then also for the Carolina Panthers, Daryl Williams re-signed a one-year $7 million contract there. And then now jumping down to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have been pretty active, but Tampa Bay basically won their offseason the moment that they landed um, uh, Bruce Arians. Once they got Bruce Arians in the door... Their offseason was pretty much set, which is good for them. Uh, and I understand that because that that makes sense, right? That that starts the rebuild. That gets new leadership in the building. That starts the rebuild. Uh, he's already kind of started with making some good moves, though. Well, some moves, though, uh, some that you would expect for Bruce Arians to make. Dan Buchanan gets the, uh, agrees to a one-year deal with Tampa Bay. I don't believe that he has signed that contract yet. I think they just agreed to terms, so they're waiting on probably ironing out final numbers and things like that. Uh, they also signed Ryan Griffin to a two-year, two point nine million dollar contract they got Brashad Perryman who wanted out of Cleveland after Odo Beckham Jr. got traded so he has now gone to Tampa Bay so Tampa Bay loses to Sean Jackson and then gets Brashad Perryman really really good sort of signing there it's not really it doesn't necessarily like shift anything culturally for the team it doesn't turn them into a winning team but it's good and then we also saw the extension to the offensive lineman that Cam Jordan was on talking about the other move that Tampa Bay made today as well is uh, retaining Peyton Barber they got Peyton Barber to come back on a one-year deal. Bruce Arians is really impressed with him throughout their roster evaluations for the current roster, so they retained Peyton Barber on a one-year deal, so you will still see him twice a year against Tampa Bay, when facing Tampa Bay, rather. 
All right, y'all, that's going to do it for today's episode. Make sure you keep it locked on my Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC, as well as the Locked On NFL Net Twitter and Instagram to keep up with everything going on around the league. I'm going to be keeping you up to date on my personal Twitter about what's going on with Jared Cook, Ziggy Anza, Mario Edwards, Tyler Davison. We still haven't heard anything about PJ Williams. King Crawley got his restricted free agent tender for $2.025 million. So he's supposed to be sticking around for the for a year. Uh, Tommy Lee Lewis is on his way out, it looks like, as well as safety Ricky Jefferson who didn't get to play because he was on injured reserve after an ACL tear last year. So still lots of news circulating. Lots of top free agents are still, or lots of good free agents are still out there. So keep an eye out. If the Saints manage to retain Teddy Bridgewater, sign Jared Cook and sign Ziggy Anza or Mario Edwards or both, that A plus for the offseason as far as I'm concerned, because that would help them get better at every position that they needed to get better at. Then they just go into the draft to focus on um, depth on the offensive line and go best player available, which is what the Saints like to do. So, all right, everybody, that is going to do it for me today for real this time. Thank you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Let me know how you feel about the Saints offseason so far. I think that they're handling free agency very well, uh, and it's only about to get better, I truly believe. So tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the podcast, and please take some time to review and rate and share. Every little bit helps so much. To find Locked on Saints, just tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Saints. And be sure to subscribe so you know when the newest episodes drop every Monday through Friday. Thank you all for all of your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints. And trust who that nation, I'll holla at you. <laughs>